You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome back to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am Hayden Grove with Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com. And we have a lot to get to. Um, but I know, Chris, you saw this news to start out. Um, and I just wanted to offer my thoughts to the uh, family and friends of Carl Anthony Towns, who lost his mother as a result of um, COVID-19, a horrible, horrible thing. Um, so prayers to the Towns family uh, for sure. Uh, just a, you know, this thing can affect so many different people. And that's why we're all huddled inside to try to make sure that this thing gets past us without, you know, claiming so many lives. But unfortunately, that was one that uh, we lost. So, again, my my thoughts to the Towns family. I know Carl Anthony was a is a huge part of the NBA community. I know he had a great relationship with his mother and uh, just horrifically sad. Yeah, man, it's heartbreaking. It really is. Um I think Kevin Love said it best when he talked on, uh, I believe it was Good Morning America, Hayden. He just said, this disease doesn't discriminate. It doesn't care if you're an NBA player, right? It doesn't care if you're an NFL player, if you're a Major League Baseball player. It doesn't care if um, you're the mom of an NBA player who has a lot of money and a lot of resources and a lot of connections and stuff like that. It's, It's hitting everybody, any walk of life. And obviously, based on everything that we've read, everything that we've heard, Hayden, there are certain um, segments of the population that are more in danger of being affected by it in a negative type way. Um, But even if you're a healthy 20-year-old kid that was just on spring break in Miami or something like that, um, you're not immune just because you're young and you're active and you're seemingly healthy. You know what I mean? And it's just it's such a dangerous thing because carriers um, don't necessarily know that they're carriers. And it's it's it just brings us to a larger point, Hayden, in terms of it's going to be very, very difficult to play sports and get back to normalcy until there's one, a vaccine, or two, like a test that can give you rapid results and you can find out immediately whether you're positive or not. Um, the whole thing about taking a test and having to wait three, four, five days, something like that, that could be the difference between living and dying, unfortunately. And it's just so sad when you see something like this and you flash back to Carl Anthony Towns and the Instagram live that that he did or the video that he did um, when he first made it public that that his mom was dealing with it. And my heart goes out to him. I can't imagine how he must be feeling right now. Um, and the fact of all the the circumstances surrounding this and how you're not able to be physically around family 
um, it's it's just really really hard. It 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 just exacerbates how difficult this thing is. I mean, we could talk all day about you know this this horrible disease and um, I mean just the effect that it's had on the NBA and the entire you know world. Um, it's just it's heartbreaking to think about. But you're right. It's like it's like many diseases out there. You know, doesn't discriminate based on age or gender or race. I mean, it's just one of those things that we're going to look back and. It's just going to be a surreal thing to look back on when we do. Um, so, again, once again, our prayers and thoughts go out to the family of Carl Anthony Towns and his mother, uh, who sadly passed away today. Um, but, Chris, I mean, I know that Carl Anthony you know, loves basketball, and that's what this podcast is primarily about. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do want to talk a little bit of Cavaliers today. And you uh, wrote an article this weekend. Um, on Colin Sexton. Apparently, you talked to Colin, and um, you had a nice feature here with plenty of insight into the world of Colin Sexton. Um, we're going to get into a little bit of what he said, a specific word that he mentioned uh, in this piece. But I mean, it was a great piece, a great job by you. And thank you. Um, I just want I want to I wanted to hear like you know what you thought about what he said and and what how you this piece came together and how you're feeling about. Um, everything that you heard and everything that you wrote. All right. So the way that this came together is um, as soon as the NBA shut down, um, I reached out to a number of different players just to see how they were um, in terms of a health standpoint and just how they were processing everything. And one of the first, the first player I think that I thought of Hayden was Colin, because I know that his life centers around basketball. You know, there are some of these other guys on the Cavs who have dogs, they have wives, they have families, and and Colin has a family, and he has a girlfriend, and he's very close with his family. That's part of the reason why he went back to Atlanta instead of staying here in Cleveland. Um, But I thought of him because he lives in a gym, and everything that he does is about basketball. So the whole premise of the story was, how is the guy whose life is centered around basketball coping without that? Like, what is he doing? How is he getting by? How is he handling this? What different activities has he tried? It got to a point last year, Hayden, when I was talking to members of the organization, they joked about having conversations with Colin about finding a hobby, introducing him to golf, introducing him to video games just because so much of his life was about basketball and they wanted him to mentally escape and they didn't want him to get burnt out and they wanted him to relax and not be in the gym and let his legs recover and let him get healthy and all these different things. So that was, that was the gist of the story. Um, And from all indications, based on my conversation with Colin, he's getting by. It's been very, very helpful that he's had um, his family with him. It's been helpful that he's been biking and running and he has a basketball hoop in his driveway. And before there was a stay at home order in Georgia, he was able to find an indoor gym and he was able to get some shots up and he's got uh, weights in his house. And he's trying to do things to keep his mind occupied and keep his body ready in case um, the season actually does resume. And nobody knows when that's going to happen. But Colin Sexton, like everybody else in the NBA, Hayden, everybody else in the world, the unknown is the scariest part. The unknown is the hardest part about this whole thing. You don't know when things are going to get back to quote unquote normal. 
Yeah, I mean, we're all kind of wondering how that's going to take uh, take effect and, and when this thing is going to happen. And I mean, we could talk about that till, till we're blue in the face, but I just don't think um, we're going to have an answer anytime really soon. Right. Because and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, there's some, you know, some great points in this article about, as you mentioned, about, you know, uh, Colin finding a local gym and him having a, a basketball hoop in a driveway and him, you know, breaking down film with his family and yep. all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, he, as, uh, it says right here, assistant coach Lindsey Gottlieb has been sending him clips and uh, he did. He mentioned in the piece and I don't want really, well, I guess we're, we're giving most of it away, but. Um, okay. You mentioned the piece that he's uh, that he's got played some Xbox and 2K, yeah. uh, which I guess is could be a hobby. Um, <laughs> but overall, I mean, how how did you how did you take away uh, his feelings from the conversation? I mean, you know, you talked a little about, about what he's been doing, but does he seem down? Does he seem like how does he seem when you talk to him? The big takeaway that I had is that he is itching to get back onto a basketball court. And that um, not that he's going crazy without it, but it's just been challenging for him because so much of his day typically revolves around basketball. And as much as he can play video games and he can play one on one against his brother in the driveway or he could have horse competitions or break down film and go through everything that transpired in the weeks leading up to the shutdown and, and why he was on the run that he was on, like that's not going to satisfy him. That's just he's wired a different kind of way. It's a thirst that he has for getting better and improving and proving everybody wrong. And just this incredible work ethic that that thirst, Hayden, it cannot be quenched by some of these other things. Um, So the sense that I got is that he wants to return. He understands how serious this is. You know, his buddy Donovan Mitchell was somebody who tested positive. They share the same agent. So when Donovan tested positive, it really hit Colin. Uh, There is a member of Colin's church, at least one, who tested positive for coronavirus and fell ill. So he understands it. He understands how serious it is. And and he knows that the NBA has to do what it can to protect players and protect everybody. Um, But I got the sense that he wants basketball back, obviously. And it's been hard on him dealing with this shutdown. So, again, if you haven't read the piece, you can go read it. It is called Colin Sexton Learning to Cope Without the Game He Loves, Watching Film and Staying Ready for a Possible Return. But I think the thing that I took away from this article, you know, after all of this stuff you mentioned in regards to um, Colin and how he's doing, he said something very interesting towards the end of the piece. And it was a big quote, and uh, it actually ended the piece, which, you know, that that's kind of journalism one of the things you learn is to kind of sometimes you want to give the the big kicker at the end and uh here it is so here's a quote from colin sexton um and he says even though we haven't had the season we wanted as long as we finish well it would roll over into next season go into summer with a good feeling good chemistry and then next season come in and be ready to go and push for the playoffs dot 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 etc that's our goal we're going to do everything we can to make that goal I feel it's possible. So Colin Sexton seems to believe that next year, regardless of where they draft, regardless of who they bring in, that the Cavaliers are going to be talking about the P word playoffs next mm-hmm. season. Chris, what did you make? What did you make of that comment from him? So I wasn't surprised. Um, OK, let, let me backtrack. I was surprised from this sense. I didn't bring it up 
I didn't bring up the word in, in our yeah. conversation. I basically asked him about why a team that is one of the worst teams in the NBA would want to come back on a, a basketball court after so much time off. You know what I mean? Like, what's the motivation for the Cavs? What's the motivation for the Washington Wizards? What's the motivation for the New York Knicks? It makes sense if you're the Lakers, right? It makes sense if you're the Bucks, if you're the 76ers. Y'all have something to play for. But what's the motivation for the Cavs? So I was like, why? Like, I know you love basketball, but from a team standpoint, what are you going to gain in the final 17 games? And that's when he brought up the P word. So it wasn't a specific question about the playoffs. So from that standpoint, it surprised me. At the same time, you know, I, I think a lot of guys in, in Colin's situation probably would have said the same thing. You know what I mean, Hayden? It, it's kind of like asking sure. a guy in the NBA draft. Like if I ask LaMelo Ball, hey, man, do you think you're the best player in the draft? If he said something other than yes, that would be kind of alarming, I feel like. You know, if, if I know for, I know for a fact that Anyeka Gongkwu is not the best player in the NBA draft, but he needs to think like he is. He needs to feel like he is. So as, as crazy as it is for some of these Cavs players and these Cavs coaches to use the P word, and it's blown up in their face in the past, I understand why they bring it up, and I understand why they're saying it, because it gives you something um, to strive to achieve. And and it's that carrot dangling at the end of the rope that you can go chase. And, and Colin's a confident kid. He's always been a confident kid. So it doesn't surprise me that that he would think that playoffs is possible for this team next season. And it doesn't surprise me um, that that would be a goal that he has because he's a very ambitious guy. So how I mean, we've talked about this kind of actually kind of a lot. Um, You know, we seem to be on the same page that this thing is significantly far away. Um, You know, a a really big piece is needed here. Kevin Porter Jr. needs to continue to step up. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of the some of the comments that Colin made in regards to the playoff the playoffs came from his ability or his belief in JB Bickerstaff. Right. JB, you know, it's the, there were, there were quotes towards the end about JB Bickerstaff, how much, you know, faith he has in him because of his NBA pedigree, because of the way he, um, you know, has the culture in that locker room. Like, I think he has a big belief in JB Bickerstaff. So I guess the question is, you know, how much can JB Bickerstaff kind of propel this thing in the right direction, given the opportunity to have the reins from day one. I mean, can he be a difference maker in, in, you know, propelling this thing forward um, more so than any, you know, other coaches in the NBA or other, you know, options for the Cavaliers? So this is interesting, Hayden, because before the league shut down, we were in the home locker room and I was talking to one of the players about this very thing. And I said, okay, you guys are blah, 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 blah at the time. They had 19 wins at the time. I don't remember what their exact record was, but they had 19 wins at the time. And I said, you've got 11 or 12 games that you've just thrown away or lost in the fourth quarter. Um, and that was one of John Beeline's messages to the group um, the day that he stood in front of them and resigned. He was like, look, we we could be better as an organization. Like, I feel like I can't be the guy to get you to where you want to go. I recognize that um, it's not me. Maybe JB can be the guy. 
But there were opportunities that we had early in the season to have our record look a lot different than what it looks like right now. So I was talking to a player about that. And I said, look, if, if you started the season with JB um, instead of John, like how many wins do you think you would have right now? Or what would you think you would have finished with at the end of 82? Um, and that player said we'd probably be at the end of a regular season we'd probably be around the 30 win mark. Like that was the feeling inside the locker room. Um, Now that wasn't their reality. And I would say anytime you ask any player, they're going to lean more on the optimistic side rather than the pessimistic side, because that's just how they are. Um, But there is a belief in JP Bickerstaff that exists. And you know this Hayden, when you're talking about any team sport, it starts with belief. Like, yeah, you have to have the talent. There's no doubt about that. Um, And you have to have the scheme. But you have to have the buy-in. You have to have the belief. And the Cavs, um, for some of the weaknesses that they have with this roster when we're talking about now and moving into the future, Hayden, for all of those weaknesses, they have the belief in the head coach. So that is a start. That is a start to becoming the team that maybe possibly they feel like they can become. So we've talked a lot about the Cavaliers and Colin Sexton and, and where this thing could go. But, I mean, all of this really means very little if we don't know when or if or how the NBA is going to start up again. I mean, again, we could be talking about potentially into next September before the Cavaliers play again. I mean, at this point, would the season have been over today for the Cavaliers? I think it would have been no. over. It would have been over soon, though. Yeah, soon. Uh, the last game would have been against Atlanta, either on April 15th or April 16th. I can't remember which date. OK, so that would have been, you know, later this week. But uh, there was a report and you mentioned it. I actually didn't see it until you mentioned it uh, from our friend Brian Windhorst over at ESPN. Yeah, before we get into this, though, hey, now yeah. I want to I ask you. OK, yeah. so J.B. Vickerstaff has brought up playoffs. Colin yep. Sexton has brought up playoffs. Yeah. I think the honest question that we should be asking is, like, is it that ridiculous that they think that's possible? Like, in no. the situation that the Cavs are in, like, is that feasible for them to think going into next year? They're 19 and 46. They've got the second worst record in the NBA. Um they are 11 games out of the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference this year. But do you think they're in the conversation going into next year? Um, I Well, again, we, we both think this thing is, is a while away. But, I mean, you know, we've seen, we've seen things happen where teams grow quickly. And, and I think they have the benefit of in being in a pretty bad Eastern Conference overall. I mean, yes, it's yeah. top-heavy. Um, but the bottom, you know, the bottom is kind of <laughs> wishy-washy at best and, you know, their division particularly. So I'm going to say that I'm going to say it's not that far. I mean, from what from what, you know, I wasn't around as much as I have been in the past because covering the Browns and, and whatnot. So this year I, I hadn't been around as much in the locker room, but I could tell from, you know, from the games before Beeline and after Beeline that there was a complete shift in Right. Maybe in morale and attitude and togetherness. And I think that's a huge factor when you talk about, you know, any team sport. As you mentioned, there's belief and and togetherness and camaraderie. When you don't have that, you're a mess. And it shows that you're a mess. And that's why the Cavaliers are a mess. So, um, 
you couple all that and you couple the fact that it seems like they have the right leader in place. It seems like they have some talented players, obviously. You know, we mentioned Kevin Love has three years left on his deal. And um, he's a guy that potentially, if, if they want to keep him around and, and, you know, he's motivated, he could potentially be an all-star. Um, we've seen Larry Nance Jr. improve. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. could potentially show that he you know, could could be a guy that the Cavaliers could want around for a long time. And maybe if he's not a star, he could still be a great piece. Um, obviously, we don't really know what Darius Garland is at this point because he kind of had a lost season. But if these guys, you know, I think if, if, if they all play up to their caliber and then they add a great player at the top of the draft, I think the draft is huge this year. If they can add a guy that really, really contributes right away and helps them right away. Sure. I think they can be on the fringe in the Eastern conference. I think the P words not out of the question, but you know, they do have a lot of bad habits that they have to fix. They do have, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of young players that don't, you know, maybe, and we haven't seen them play important games before. Um, So if they were able to find their way to important games, would they be able to step up to the challenge or would they fold? We don't know. So there's so many factors and variables um, in this. So I think again, with everything, if you add if you add another player in the draft that you know contributes the way that Colin has, the way that Kevin Porter Jr. has, and maybe even more so, I think that they could absolutely be in that position. Plus, you know, you could see what happens with Andre Drummond. You could see what happens with you know free right. agency when the time comes. I mean, I'm not. I don't think that they would be in the market for anybody huge, but you know, you know, the glue guys and and those guys can help teams win. So I'm certainly of the opinion that they could, they're in the, they're in the right spot. I believe they've had the foundation. They just have to build upon it a little bit. All right. So there are a couple of things. I think you hit on one thing that obviously works in their favor. It's the fact that they're in the Eastern conference and the bottom of the Eastern conference is a huge question mark. Um, you know, you would think that Brooklyn's going to be better next year because KD is going to be healthy. Uh, Orlando yeah. just kind of hovers around the eighth seed all the time. And then you just have like this big mix of Washington, Chicago, New York, all these other teams that are Charlotte, kind of in this Atlanta. Yeah, right. They're in the same situation that the Cavs are. They're rebuilding. Um, you could argue that some of these teams, maybe Atlanta, is one year ahead of the Cavs and their rebuild. But then you can argue on the other side of that, that maybe the Cavs accelerated their rebuild a little bit, not a lot, a little bit by the trade for Andre Drummond, getting a player that caliber, a two time all star, the NBA's best rebounder or one of the best rebounders, um, a legitimate rim protector, um, defensive anchor that they hadn't had over the last couple of years. Um So that's something that's working in their favor, the fact that they're in the Eastern Conference and the level of competition in order to get to that bottom playoff spot, um, it's not littered with a bunch of landmines. In saying that, you also brought up the fact that there was a shift when they went to J.B. Bickerstaff, and I agree. I absolutely felt that. I saw that. The players felt that. The players believed that. And they felt like they were playing better because they were, Hayden. Yeah, you only saw it. It was it wasn't even that, you you know, it wasn't even that they thought it. I mean, you could see they were more together. They were playing better, happier, freer, you know, all everything. Right. But they were only five and six. You know what I mean? Yeah. So as well as they thought they were playing, as well as we thought they were playing in that small sample of 11 games, they were still only five and six. 
And if you look deeper at the numbers, they had the 22nd best offense. They were bottom half of the NBA in defensive rating. Uh, They were being outscored by about four points per game. So when you talk about like those kinds of metrics, like how much they were getting outscored by offensive rating, defensive rating, you know what that puts them in the conversation of a team like the Chicago Bulls, who has two more, three more wins than the Cavs at this point in time and is eight games back of the Orlando Magic. So, yeah, they have been better. But it's been such a small uh, piece of improvement that that I don't know that it makes me think, okay, this is a team that over the final 17 games was going to win 10 or 11 of those and then use the the final stretch as springboard into next season. And they were going to be a team to watch in the Eastern Conference. Right. I still don't see that. Yeah. And I think that I think that when I say, you know, when I say they could be, I'm, I'm thinking like positive kind of pie in the sky. You know, I'm thinking if I if I if I'm looking at it, you know, from a, you know, from a very just mid like, objective point of view where not everybody's going to have a great year. Not everybody's going to have a horrible year. They're kind of going to be middle if they're if they're at the middle of the you know, if they just if they're on par with what they should be. I don't think they're at that point. But, you know, I think you, if you really got some steady improvements and that's why I mentioned Kevin Love, you know, doing, right. getting back to his all-star form and maybe, you know, Andre Drummond doing his thing. And like I said, adding that piece that they need so desperately, that kind of um, star or big, you know, big player, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it would take a lot, but I, I'm just saying they could, I'm not saying that they will, or that they would, I would pick them to. I'm just saying that if everything, you know, were to kind of trend in the direction that it did after the trade deadline, and then you add some of the more pieces like I talked about, then maybe. Mm. I, I I just have a hard time seeing it, to be honest with you. There's there's still, um, they don't have a starting caliber point guard. Darius Garland was arguably the worst player in the NBA this past year. And I think he's going to get better. I think there are a lot of circumstances that played into the way that that he performed this year. Um, in saying that, like, is he going to go from uh, worst player in the NBA type to below average? Like, is that going to be the, 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 the positive step forward that he takes? Or is it going to be league average or something like that? Because that's a significant difference. They also don't have a starting caliber small forward. So those are two very, very important pieces um, when you're talking about trying to take the kind of leap that the Cavs are mentioning in playoffs. Um, And on top of that, I don't know that they can be a great defensive team. There's a chance that they're going to lose Tristan Thompson in the offseason. He's their defensive linchpin. He's the, the, the mouthpiece of the defense. He's a veteran leader. He's somebody who you can pencil in every single night for around a double-double. You know what you're going to get on a nightly basis from him in terms of energy and effort um, and hustle and all of those kinds of things. So losing that, I think, is um, obviously a risk, and I think that's going to affect the Cavs maybe more than people think. Um, And the other thing on top of it is who – who is the focal point of, of this offense? Who is the focal point? Of that this I, I totally agree with. I totally agree with that. I 100% agree with that. 
totally and that's what i mean you know if if they were to get a guy i don't know who that guy would be we've talked about a lot yeah. of draft picks and then and they ended up being a guy um yes but i totally agree the focal point of the offense is still very much up in the air I mean, are you going to run offense through Kevin Love? Are you going to run offense through Colin Sexton? And if you do run it through Colin Sexton, which might be the best way to go because he's the best scorer that you have, like where does that lead you in terms of winning basketball? That's the other thing that you have to keep in mind. And on top of that, and I think at the very end of all of this, it is so much easier in the NBA to go from a garbage team to just respectable Going from respectable to good or respectable to playoff bound is very, very, very difficult. I mean, at the end of last year, Hayden, everybody figured the Atlanta Hawks were the team on the rise. They were the team that you wanted to model yourself after in terms of rebuild. Trey Young becomes an all-star. Trey Young has a phenomenal season. And here they are sitting with 20 wins at this point in the year. So it's just very, very difficult to get to winning basketball. Um, guess, especially when you're in a rebuild. I guess that's my point, though. Like, why? I guess you know, maybe I'm just a more positive outlook person. So, why can't the Cavaliers take the opposite direction? You know, it's like the the Hawks. Okay, <laughs> they had the star, they had this young this young guy this that was supposed to take the next step and lead this team into the playoffs and be great, and instead they stink. Why can't the Cavaliers say, be like, oh, well, they're not supposed to be very good, and all of a sudden? somebody takes a leap or, I mean, these things, I'm, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just saying yeah. that, you know, it could happen. It's not like they're complete so far away. That's not fathomable in my opinion. All right. So you wanted to talk about this uh, report from Wendy, right? Yeah. Okay. So he's saying, according to his report, Brian Windhorst of ESPN saying that, um, let me pull it up here. Cause I had the Hawks. Had the uh, had the, the Hawks standings actually. I was looking that up before you mentioned them because <laughs> the Atlanta Hawks. I mean, they really were supposed to be this. You know, they were. This, you know, this, yeah, it's crazy. I don't know what and, happened there. I, I haven't been and around. Some enough. of their individual guys have had really good seasons. Now, part of yeah. it is that maybe their second best player, John Collins, was suspended at the beginning of the season. But I mean, Trey Young had an awesome year by any metric, and yet yeah. it didn't it didn't translate to winning. So, I mean, Colin Sexton next year could have a great individual season or Darius Garland could make the rise that so many people want him to make or Kevin Porter Jr. has a great individual season. And it doesn't mean that it's going to add up to winning basketball. So that's, that's what is always so fascinating to me. But then again, on the contrary, Dylan Windler could end up being Tyler Hero or (laughs) Duncan Robinson. You never know. I don't know. Again, I just I view it. I, I totally understand. I guess I'm just I, I have a more rosy outlook on things, I suppose. All right. But back to this. So Wendy, Wendy reporting that um, teams and trainers in the NBA feeling that the NBA is going to need at least 25 days um, before ramping things up and uh, getting this thing rolling again. So the add, add basically another month onto mm. all of this. I mean, what did you make of Wendy's report? This is something that I've been talking about and something that I've been saying for a long, long time, Hayden, because if you think about it, remember covering the finals Cavs for those four years, and they basically laughed in the face of the regular season. That's essentially what they did. They said, yeah, our defense stinks, but talk to us in the playoffs. 
Yeah, okay, we're going through some struggles offensively, but talk to us in the playoffs. So the Cavs learned that you just treat the regular season as kind of a stepping stone into the playoffs. And the playoffs in the regular season are so different in terms of intensity, in terms of competition, in terms of enthusiasm, in terms of preparation, all those different things. It's just a completely different game, Hayden. The thing that I've been saying from the very beginning is it is nearly impossible for me to see a scenario where the NBA says, all right, we're going to come back. We feel like it's safe. We feel like we can protect you. We're going to start the playoffs immediately. You know what I mean? Like that would be crazy for, for that to happen because these guys aren't in basketball shape. These guys aren't in basketball form. And to thrust them into a playoff environment, it's it's almost reckless and irresponsible because you're putting them at risk in terms of injury. And the product on the floor is going to be awful. That is it going to be a real playoffs? You know what I mean? Like, are you stripping somebody's chance of performing at their best because you decided that you wanted to start with the playoffs? So for me, there's either going to have to be um, a training camp leading into the playoffs or there's going to have to be training camp, some regular season games as a buffer and then get into the playoffs. And that's going to take time. Yeah, I just I imagine something like I mean, I guess LeBron would be a bad example because he does you know, have all the resources to keep his body in right. shape. But, you know, he's probably is more than more so than anybody going to be ready if this thing is to be back. But I mean, imagine something like that where he's had such a great year and it looks like he's going to rebound and the Lakers are in a prime position. And then something happens because they recklessly start this thing right back, you know, pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's hard to think about. And it's something that I mean, so I'm going to ask you point blank. I mean, when. When is when is the next NBA game played? I've no idea. I wish I could tell you. Like if I had to guess right now, I would say end of July at the earliest. Because again, I think they're going to have to come back. Like coming back and going immediately to the playoffs, which a lot of people have talked about, um, just because of timing and because of where we are in the calendar. I think that's reckless, and I think that is nearly impossible. So I think they're going to have to come back, and I think there's going to have to be some kind of regular season or some kind of training camp. I was talking to Colin Sexton about this. Um, This was part of our conversation, Hayden. And this dude's always in shape. And he told me, I feel like I'm in basketball shape right now. I could return and play tomorrow. But not everybody is Colin Sexton, and he's probably more on the optimistic side. In saying that, I said, okay, like what's real here? And he said, Chris, probably two to three weeks of a training camp type environment so that we can get back into form, back into shape, not worry as much about injury. And that was just his opinion. So if you think about that timeline, three to four weeks for that, then you want some kind of regular season action and then you get into the playoffs. It's just where we are with the calendar right now. It's hard to see that happening before July, right? I mean, I don't even know where the world is going to be in two weeks from now. I don't know where we're going to be 
with this virus in terms of social distancing in two, three weeks, something like that. So it's very, very hard to predict, Hayden, because every time you feel like you have some kind of solution that makes sense, there's the yeah, but attached to it. And, and you bring up LeBron. LeBron is one example. But the access that LeBron has to certain resources in private gyms, not everybody has. That's so it's I'm not saying. necessarily yeah. – yeah, it's not necessarily a level playing field. You think about Giannis. Giannis hasn't touched a basketball. basketball Giannis yeah. doesn't have a private court. Giannis isn't in basketball form or basketball shape. So – LeBron being able to do the things that he does, he's at the, what, 1% of all guys that have access to that sort of thing? Think about the guys who don't have access to that and how they're feeling right now and whether they could just be thrust into a playoff environment and thrive. There's no way. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. But again, with my more rosy outlook, could you imagine a month in like August if we were to have basketball playoff basketball back NFL football ramping up, <laughs> base baseball back. I mean, could you imagine how fun? Like, I I would be running around like a chicken with my head cut off, but I I mean, it would be enjoyable. But like, what a time that would be! Like, holy crap! Could you imagine? Like, again, training camp starting, NBA playoffs, baseball. Yep. I mean, hockey would probably have to do some some kind of playoff. I mean, my goodness, that would maybe that would make up for this, but I mean, not make up for it, but just would provide the excitement lost over those over these you know couple months that we're probably going to be here um without sports but yeah. all right so we wanted to keep this a little shorter and we've succeeded in doing that so um chris we could we here's what we could do because last week we were supposed to do two podcasts and i got busy and was doing stuff so <laughs> it's it that's my fault yeah i know and i will I will take the blame for that one. Um, but again, some good things happening in the community that I was out and covering. So um, we're happy for the people in Northeast Ohio helping out. Uh, but we could nip this here and we could potentially do another one where we could have a little more fun talking about some general interest stuff. Or yeah. we could uh, keep it going now and try to, you know, just keep it going on Mondays. But I'm, I'm more in favor of making this part one of this two-part week or two-part podcast for this week. I am too, provided that you follow through on your agreement. <laughs> I will follow through on my agreement. I was, I was like you. So, it, I mean, it was mostly me, but you also had, you were doing the true. Colin Sexton thing. Was, you know, yes. that was good. That was good. So I will take the blame. So everybody at home can blame me <laughs> for not having two podcasts. I, I will own up to that. It's my fault. I was running around with Barrio, and they were doing giving food out to University Hospital. So, uh, but that said, so we'll definitely we will definitely mark my words unless okay. something terrible happens. Mark my words. We will do another podcast this week. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Yes. All right. I'm and going then, to hold you to that. All right. Hold me to that. And also, be sure to sign up for the subtext. Uh, it's a two week free trial. And uh, that way you'll be able to become a friend of the show and you can get your questions to Chris or myself. And we'll try to answer some of those on the next podcast as well. How does that sound? That sounds great. I like that idea. Let's do it. So this is part one. Check back for part two later this week. And Chris and I will talk about when we're going to record that right after this. So thanks for joining us. And this will be a podcast based solely on the Cavaliers next 
podcast later this week. We'll divvy up and do a little more um, general interest kind of fun stuff. And we'll talk a little bit more about maybe we'll, maybe we can talk about the upcoming Michael Jordan uh, documentary. Chris. Ooh, yeah, I like uh, that. I I, I'm ex- That's I'm Sunday, right? That. Yes. First episode Sunday. We'll have to do a recap on Monday, but man, that'll be fun. I mean, maybe not a whole recap, but yeah, Sunday's going to be fun. Can't wait. I mean, if there's something, there are very few things nowadays, I think, Hayden, to look forward to. Correct. Um, That is something that I have been looking forward to for quite some time. So if anything, we'll have Sunday nights with the Jordan documentary. um, And maybe that'll make the week go a little bit faster because there is something at the end of the tunnel. Correct. And maybe we should have a post-Browns unveiling podcast. (laughs) I don't know that you want to talk uniforms, Browns uniforms with me. We've already gotten into this one, Hayden. Yes, we have. You want your silver and black, and I can't stand it. I didn't say silver and black. You want want silver or gray and black into the brown and orange. I said a touch of gray and replace the brown with a dark, dark, dark brown that makes it seem like it's black. Black. All right, well. I suppose. I mean, they already did. So make the browner, make the browner, brown, browner. <laughs> yes. That's what you want to do is make the browner, brown, browner. Yes. Good brown, browner. The brown, browner. Well, they already As, made it browner. They need to make it dark, dark, dark brown so that yeah. it comes across so that we all know that it is brown and we recognize it as brown. But it comes across on TV as more black. That would look better. I don't know if you know like all about like the RGB like hex colors and stuff. Do you know that that's about? No, not at all. Okay, so it's like basically colors on the computer are are like can be categorized between like the the amount of red, green, and blue within them. Uh huh. So basically, like every color has a hex code, and it's like every shade has an individual hex code. So I don't even know like the, what the numbers are. So what you're what you're proposing? Is that the RGB code should be like the one the one number before black? Yes. Like the one number on each red, green, and blue before black. Yes. All right. I could I could actually pull up that number and see we can make that happen. Wouldn't that look better? Be honest. Come on. I I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, black and orange is a better combo, but I mean, it's the Browns. I know it's named after Paul Brown. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. It doesn't need to have brown in it because it's I get it. But like, I don't know. We've we've seen brown since the 1940s. I mean, what are we, you know, I don't know. Let me ask you a question right now. Putting putting you on the spot. Okay. What color is green high school? Brown and orange. Orange and black. Thank you very much. Darn but, it. But they are called green high school. Yes, right? they are. So they, just because they're green high school, they didn't say like, oh, because we're named green high school, we have to have green in our uniforms. Green has That's to true. be the dominant color. So all I'm saying is just because the browns are named the browns, it's not after a Crayola color, and they don't That's have true. to be limited to just the color brown as one of the defining colors. Well, from what I've, from, from, I'll, I'll give a little spoiler here. I mean, you know, we've seen the uni watch that came out today. Yeah. Uh, those all brown uniforms are, <laughs> I think, uh, I think those are going to be part of it. So you're going to have to deal with a little more brown in your life. Great. <laughs> what can brown do for you? <laughs> what can brown? 
What can Sweet. dark, 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 dark brown do for you? I guess it, it. I guess it does. You know, the Cavaliers actually. I do. I do enjoy the Cavaliers color. I do enjoy the wine and gold. I think. Well, yeah, because it's up. not brown and orange. Well. And because they have a logo that's not just an orange helmet. That's true. They. I mean, the Cavaliers have changed logos quite a bit over their time. I mean, they've they've gone from different color. They. That's the thing. Like. The Browns, the Browns have never undergone a color change. I don't think the Indians have either. Right. Well, maybe, maybe I mean, maybe one of these days the Browns will undergo a color change for you, Chris. I don't know. What, and, about, and, like brown, what about like brown and white? No. What is with you and brown? Like that's not a flattering color. Because it's the classic. It's not a favorite. cool color. Well, brown is the color of a football, kind of. I think there's a classic feel there, and like brown is like a very fall color. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm more about the brown and less about the orange. I can go without the orange. All I'm saying is right. So the Cavs changed a lot of things with their logo, with their uniforms throughout the course of history, and nobody has been like, oh, I'm not supporting the Cavs because of that, right? Or I'm not buying Cavs gear because of that. It's been blue at times. It's been blue and orange. It's been wine and gold. Like, they dabbled. They tried different things to see what worked the best. They weren't married to just one color scheme. And all I'm saying is sometimes tradition is important. And sometimes escaping tradition is important. I should not have brought this up because we added a couple (laughs) minutes out of this podcast. So... All right, and, next time. And by the <laughs> way, here's here's one last thing. Oh, God. The, the favorite jersey of everybody when it comes to the Cavs is which color? Oh, um, what do you think? The, just what do just I think? guess. Yeah, I don't I don't know that there's been any study on this or anything. We should really save this for next time because I could go on about the Cavaliers uniforms. Um, we can do that. All right. Well, I'll, I'll just answer this question, and then we can talk about this next time. I'm going to say the most popular Cavs uniform right now is maybe either the the old school '90s black one with the or like a blue one. I think it's the black one. That yeah. Has a similar look to what they won, uh, what they wore in the NBA finals. Oh, you mean their current uniform? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. The black one with the C on the chest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, that would make and, sense. And yet, black is not a dominant color in the Cavs' color scheme. Not That's all I'm saying. All That's right. all I'm saying. We'll talk about this next time. We'll talk about this next time. So I promise we'll do another podcast this week. Chris will not be talking to Colin Sexton unless something unforeseen happens. I will make time for – make sure to make time um, for this podcast. So be sure to look out for part two later this week, uh, and I'll shut up about the Browns uniforms until then. Talk to you later. Thanks for joining us. Take care.